0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jake Johnson, and this This is Untethered Live, and you're watching the deep end. Won't you join me as we go off the edge together into the great unknown, into the wild blue yonder, into the abyss? Peel back the layers like peeling an onion. You'll cry, but we'll get to the bottom of it and see if we can't learn something, something new, something interesting, something important. That's what we're here to do today. We are starting a brand new book. Ladies and gentlemen, we actually finished the Bible yesterday. The whole thing, start to finish, and now we're going to start over, and this time we're going deeper, further, crazier, wilder, faster, action, it's suspense, excitement, oh my God, and you know, a lot of reading, that too. Anyway, Exodus chapter 1 verse 1, that's where we're going to start today, that's where we left off yesterday, that's where we're going to pick up today, How is everybody doing? Hey, there's an April. I see you in the chat already. Rock and roll. How are you, sweetheart? Good to see you. So far, you're it. Tag. How does everything sound? How does everything look? Got a new system going. I'm completely transitioned. We are completely on the Mac now. All my system, all my software, all my hardware, all my peripherals are all in this room now. And preferably set up the way I like it, I think. I still gotta do some tweaking on the audio, but does it sound all right for now? Mm. Yay, yeah, oh, definitely it's true. Woo-hoo, bravo. Yes, but does it sound good? Gotta know. I gotta know. Sounds good to me, but I can't tell from what, you know, on the other side until I listen back to the recording, which I'll probably do. Anyway, nothing to report, nothing special happened today. I slept most of the day because I got up this morning and called my boss and he had some other stuff he needed to do, so I took the day off. Much needed rest and relaxation. Hey, you're out of here. Not the place for that. Go away. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. When you're over the target is when you get the most flack. That means when you're preaching the right message, that's when the devil attacks. I take that as a badge of honor, but I don't like you having to see it. So we get rid of them as quick as possible. There'll be no born, no porn bombing on this channel, sir or ma'am, or whatever you are. Who am I to judge? That's how you do it. That's right. Banhammer. Take no prisoners. Show no mercy. Destroy. 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 Welcome to the Christian Network, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> This is a Christian adjacent channel. We are uh, untethered from all forms of religion and craziness. And what we do is we simply read the book and understand the words that are in the book. I know, I know. It's a hard subject to wrap, wrap your head around. It's hard to figure out how it could be so difficult when you just pick up the book and read it. Unheard of concept, I know. But that's what we do here. That's it. That's all. I'm not telling you you're going to go to hell because I don't know where you're going. Because it's not my job to judge you. I'm as susceptible to judgment as you are, by the way. So all I can do is inform you on what the book says. And the book don't say any such thing. So go figure. I don't know what all those preachers are on about that have been saying that stuff for years. I think it fills pews. I think that might be it. Uh, Fear is a way of doing that. You'll get none of that here, by the way. I don't peddle fear. I peddle knowledge. Probably isn't as exciting, but it's a good thing somebody needs to do it. So there you are. Bam, bam, says April. Bam, bam with the band hammer. I'm proud of you, sweetheart. You wield that thing masterfully. Glad I gave you the wrench. Hmm. I've got this poofy hair thing going on today. Like I stuck my finger in a light socket. Must be in the air. Static electricity or something. Hmm. I'm sorry about fiddling with my microphone. I can hear myself breathing. That's not a good thing. Might need to turn up the uh, noise suppression a little bit. Turn down the compression a little bit. I'll work on that tonight after the show. We go back to the Father who gave us life, God, and then we will wait for Judgment Day. That's a good statement, April. Very good handle you got on there. Did you learn that here? Did you learn that lesson here on Untethered Live? Because it sounds like you got some knowledge under your belt. Oh, that's right. You're a recent graduate of Untethered Live School of Everything. You just graduated yesterday. You didn't even know it. I didn't even give you a certificate, did I? But you did. You got all the way through it. You are the only person in the chat who has never missed a show. Not one. I've been counting. You have missed a couple of my hangout shows, which is totally okay, by the way. But you never missed a Bible study. You may not have been 100% tuned in all the time, but you were here, and that's what's important. You heard the stuff, and if you didn't hear it, you tried to go back and watch it later. So, that's good. Yes, the best of the book and the teacher. Amen. Amen. I feel privileged. I get to do this for a living. That's uh, something I've always balked against. I've, I knew it when I was a child. Like, I have a memory of being four years old and telling my mom I wanted to be a preacher and explaining why I wanted to be a preacher. But ever since I was old enough to make up my own mind about things, I fought against it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to be in that world. And then the bottom fell out of my life, and I thought to myself, maybe I should probably reconsider. So I reconsidered. And then it hit me pretty hard that that's what I needed to be doing. So I did it. You'll find out that when you obey God... That's when he does things for you. Yeah, if you missed the show, it's because I wasn't here. It wasn't because you missed it. What's up, Robert? Good to see you. Glad you're back. Glad to see you here. We're starting a new book tonight, so you're in luck. We're, uh, exodus 1 one that's where we're at tonight and i'm gonna talk for just a couple more minutes and we'll get started try to give everybody a chance to get here who's coming by the way just so you know there was two people here last night it's a very slow podcast but almost 20 people watched that show they just didn't watch it while we were live so you got to act as if they're watching because they will be. They just aren't here yet. And I know what you're thinking. 20 people, that's nothing to brag about, Jake. I wouldn't be telling that to people if I were you. Hurt your reputation. Well, 20 people in the world of Christianity for an hour long reading the Bible that watched the show from start to finish, that's pretty good. Very hard to get people to pay attention to the Bible to start with because of preconceived notions or uh, attention span or whatever. But to get them to sit there for an hour and take it, that's pretty impressive. And if one of those people, just one, got something out of it, I did my job. And I did it well enough that it counts on my record. Little tick. You did that, Jake. Tick. Those add up over time. I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. I'm not trying to breathe funny, y'all. I'm trying not to be heard on the microphone. My compression is a little high, and I can hear myself breathing, and it sounds weird, so I'm trying to hold my breath. I may pass out. Trying to make as many shows as I can. Well, I appreciate that, Bubby Watts. I really do. It means a lot to us that we're doing it, and it means a lot to us that you come to be part of it. And it'll mean a lot to you when you get the information in your head. So that's a good thing. It's a good (laughs) win-win. April says, that's great. So happy you came to say hello and listen. That is a blessing. And yes, it is. And I'm doing good, by the way, Robert. Thank you for asking. I can't complain. We're in the new studio. We're now in Studio E. Studio D, sorry. We were in C before, so D now. Um, all the new equipment's up and running. The only thing I don't have is my background yet, and I'm working on that because I got stuff back there, and I ain't got a place to hang it yet, and we'll get there. It's all right, Jake, and there'll be more faith, the power of the Spirit in God we trust. Right on! Uh, translation... More people will come to watch. If you build it, they will come. And I've built it. Now y'all need to come on. It's been a uh, four-year process to get this far. We finished the Bible last night, by the way, Robert. Got all the way through it. Every book, every word. Now we just got to go back through it and dig deeper. And that's what we're doing now starting in Exodus. Genesis is always last, not first, because it's a special book and because I really want to take my time on it. And I took a little bit of time on it this time. I didn't want to go too deep because it freaks people out a little bit and most people can't handle it all the way through. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of easing up on about the fourth time I get through Genesis, you'll get the full Monty. Oh, that's not a fake wallpaper in the background. No, that's my window. And my junk. I'm in a small room. There's a Caucasian Sasquatch. Greetings and salutations, my friend. I thought you were live somewhere. Glad you're here. I need you. Wow. What a room are you in? What room are you in? I don't think I've ever seen that, the cool windows. I'm in the computer room. You've been in this room a thousand times. Well, at least once. You know the room on the other side of my bedroom, which is the master bedroom, which is the big bedroom, which is the only bedroom? No, there's two. But nobody sleeps in it. So is it a bedroom if nobody sleeps in it? Hmm. That's like asking if a tree pretends to fall in the woods. Does anybody hear it? Mm. let's get you some stained glass. Oh, I can do that. Pow. How about that? I think that's what you meant. I'll be live in 15 minutes. Well, why are you going live when I'm going live? That's not fair. You're supposed to be here backing me up. Then I'm supposed to be there backing you up. Oh, well, whatever. I'm glad you're going live. I'm glad you got the business... Get it. Get it while you can. Get it while it getting good. But I'm glad you popped by anyway. Thank you. By special request. Oh. oh, my goodness. Yes, now I remember. There you go. You got it. I'm just in a different direction. The computer used to be that way. Now it's this way because it gives me more that way. Does that make any sense? All right, boys and girls. we are in the Great Book of Exodus, chapter one, verse one, one one one, one one, one, one. If you got your Bible's handy, crack them open, and let's get started. shall we? Now these are the names of the children of Israel which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob. There's a whole band of them walking up from the land of Canaan into Egypt. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, the twelve sons of Jacob, the tribes of Israel, from which you are a part, by the way, or a small portion of you is. We're all mutts now, but back in the day when bloodline meant something, you probably had a line that went to one of these tribes. Man, it's stuffy in here. Sorry about the breathing, I'm trying to hold it back. And all the souls that came out of the lions, sorry, out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls. For Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died and all his brethren and all the gener- all that generation died, all of them. Let me read that again. And Joseph died, and all his brethren, and all that generation, period. Okay, so they all died. Are we now unto their children? Is that what he's saying? And the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceedingly mighty. And the land was filled with them. Um, I'm wondering if the Egyptians are thinking this is funny. You know how we react when people come over the border, you know, Illegally, that's kind of what's going on here. Only they're breeding them out. You got to understand that the Egyptians are pure Egyptians. They are not the people that are there now. The people that are there now are not Egyptian by by nature. They are um, kind of like America. They're all mixed. They're all come over to Egypt by way of what do you call that migration? That's not the word I'm looking for. They're immigrants. That's the word I'm looking for. The Egyptians that were there then were pure, 100% bloodline Egyptian. They came from there. They were born there. They were bred there by people that were from there. And now all these Hebrews are showing up. And they're having babies like rabbits. They're breeding like rabbits. They're popping up everywhere. There's an Egyptian. I mean, there's a Hebrew, and there's a Hebrew, and there's a Hebrew. Let's have some coffee, shall we? Hmm. Hebrew. Now, there arose up a new king over Egypt, or more specifically, a pharaoh, which is not a king. It's a little different. And he did not know Joseph. Now, remember, the old king actually set Joseph up as number two. He had more authority than anybody in the land except for the pharaoh. That's a pretty big ask. And it's a pretty big gift from a man in power to give you all his power. So much he gave him his ring. He wore the Pharaoh's ring, meaning he's the the hand of the ring. Have you ever watched uh uh Lord uh House of the Dragon, what's the first one? Uh Game of Thrones. If you ever watched Game of Thrones, you know the hand of the king that has the pendant, that's the same thing. He basically spoke for the Pharaoh. He had the Pharaoh's power when pharaoh wasn't there and so this new guy that becomes pharaoh doesn't have a clue who he is and don't care that he's got the king's ring because i'm the king now and who the hell are you give me my power back that's not to say that everybody in the land don't know who he is and won't respond accordingly but the new king has got to establish his authority without joseph and that's what's going to happen i think And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more mightier than we. They're more and mightier than we. They've just about outbred us. we got to do something about these immigrations, folks. Build a wall, build a wall, build a wall, or some such. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, and lest they multiply some more. won't be able to get nowhere without a Hebrew, tripping over Hebrews everywhere. And it came to pass, when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies, and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. Translation, they made them slaves. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramesses. Now, I don't know about Pithom, but you can find Ramesses today. It's that big building with the big statues, four or five statues that you see up there that are all the same guy. Well, that's Ramesses, and that was part of his city. Now, they moved that whole complex because it was about to get swallowed up by water. So it's not in its original location, but if you do a little research, you can find out where its original location was, and that surrounding area is the city of Ramesses. Now... That's just a little pin to let you know where we're talking about. It's a good gamble that these people also built the pyramids. doesn't specifically say so in the Bible, but I'd say it's probably a good good guess that they were there at that right time and they were slaves of uh, Egypt at the right time, that they probably had a hand in doing so. And there's probably some significance to those buildings concerning what was going on religiously at that time. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. If you beat a rabbit, he just bangs harder. I don't know if that's true, but it sounded good and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. In other words, they were aggravating the hell out of them. Everywhere they turned, there was more Hebrews, and they just kept coming and kept coming, and they were having babies like left and right like mad. And the guy's thinking, he should be thinking, oh, we're getting a really big workforce here because these guys ain't trying to fight us. They just want to live so we can get away with all kinds of atrocities. But that's not what he's thinking. He's thinking, let's get them out of here. they They're creeping me out like cockroaches. Not a good pharaoh. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. They were really hard on them. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar and brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them to serve was with rigor. They really treated them like crap. You think that the slaves of America were treated badly? No, 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 no. They were not. They were treated like royalty by comparison. Just so you know, I'm not saying that the slavery was good. I'm saying that these slaves were really treated badly. Like they were killed if they didn't do what they were told. They were beaten and starved and like really, really badly for everything. And they had no freedom. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives... Of which the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other was Pua. And he said, when ye do the office of a midwife to a Hebrew woman, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live, because Hebrew women are kind of hot. He didn't say that, but I'm guessing that's what his thoughts are. (coughs) Kill the boys, let the women live. Mind you, of anyone, <clears throat> China in reverse. But the midwives feared God above the Egyptians, by the way, and did not, as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. This will come back to haunt them, I'm sure. And the king of Egypt called for the midwives, and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the man-children alive? And the midwives said, Because you might beat us, but God will strike us and smite us. We'll take the punishment. That's not what they said. Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, is what they said, for they are lively and are delivered air the midwives come in unto them in other words translation uh these women are popping out babies left and right we can barely keep up we might have missed a few that's an excuse but not an entirely entirely untrue therefore god dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty well, what what well, we can't do anything about that We don't know what's in the water. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. I don't know if it's because they feared God, but I'm sure it was in the equation. He made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive, because I be horny, yo. He didn't say that. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. In the translation, he married his cousin. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him for three months. This goodly child is going to cause some problems because she didn't want to kill him. But she did technically do what the Pharaoh told her to do which is to throw him in the river technically that's what happened and when she could no longer hide him she took him an ark of bulrushes and dabbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid in it the flags by the riverbanks translation you know those little things that look like hot dogs on a stick they stick up everywhere. I think they're called cat Nine tails or something. I don't know where they are. That's where she was, in the reeds, in the little riverbank, little edge there. And she built a little basket and made it watertight by putting slime and mortar in it, or, I mean, pitch, which is like tar made of honey or oils or, or turpentine or some kind of pine wax or something, pine sap. Anyway, she made it waterproof put the baby in it, put him in the river. So technically she did what the Pharaoh told her to do. Only I think he had more violence in mind, but he's in the river and she let him go. Hmm. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Wondering what's going to happen to that baby when you let him go out into the river. and the daughter of pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along by the river edge by the river side and when she saw the ark among the flags she sent her maid to fetch it what is that over there do i hear a baby crying go get that basket for me so she went and fetched the basket and brought it back to the princess the pharaoh's daughter And she peered inside, and lo and behold, there was a baby child, a boy, a Hebrew. And she instantly fell in love because it was a beautiful baby. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrew children. Yeah. Then said his sister to the Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And the Pharaoh's daughter said, Go to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's own mother. Now see, the sister is the sister of the baby, and the mother just put him in the water. Just so happens that the Pharaoh's daughter was down at the water a little ways down the river bathing herself. So the baby went straight to her. He wasn't in the water but just a minute. And the Pharaoh's daughter pulled her out, pulled the baby out of the water. So the sister of the baby runs over to the Pharaoh's daughter and says, Hey, that's a baby. Not, Hey, that's my brother. Put him back in the river. We're trying to get rid of him. Nope. Hey, that's a baby. Shall I fetch a, a, a nurse from the Hebrew women to take care of it for you? because she's already assumed that she's adopted it. Could be they planned it that way. I don't know that for sure, but it could be. So then she goes, the sister of the baby, goes and gets her mom, which is also the mom of the baby, and brings her to the Pharaoh's daughter and says, here's a nurse. She'll feed it for you and take care of it for you. So the mama, being in her infinite wisdom, gets to raise her baby boy under under Egyptian protection. Because the Pharaoh's daughter claimed the child as hers. Very interesting. Very smart. Okay. And the Pharaoh's daughter said, take the child. Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. So she got to raise her own child in her own home and got paid by the government to do it. Smart. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Mose. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. And that's what the word Mose means, drawn from the waters, Moses in English. And it came to pass in those days, when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Now he's wrestling with his identity because he knows he's a Hebrew child, but he's been raised by Egyptians. He's educated Egyptian. He lives in the palace with the princess and the Pharaoh. He is basically a prince of Egypt, looking down at his own kind being beaten by Egyptians and made to be slaves by Egyptians, and it vexes him a little bit, kind of triggers him, presses his buttons a little. (laughs) And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand, killed the man for beating one of the Hebrews, and they buried him in the sand, probably to mix him up in the mortar and make a wall out of him ironically, to stop Hebrews from coming in over the border. They didn't say that. And he looked, oh, I read that. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that dig, did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? Translation, why are you hitting your brother? He's not my brother. Yes, he is. He's a Hebrew, isn't he? That's your brother. Treat him like your brother. Do as do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love thy neighbor as you love yourself. This is the origins of this belief system. Why are you hitting on your brother? And he said, Who made three? Sorry, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killed the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. I didn't think anybody saw me kill that Egyptian, and I did it because he was beating one of you. Well, you were seen, and now he's scared that everybody knows, so he's a little freaked out. And Oh, and by the way, he was a prince over them to judge over them because he lived with the the, the Egyptians, and his job was probably to watch over the slaves, which is why he was there in the first place. So, now when the Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and filled the troughs to, to water their flock, father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. So even back then, women couldn't do anything right. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. He was a good man, and he did help. Uh, there were some shepherds that were bullying the girls who were there drawing water, and they were there first, so they had the right to pull the water up and get their troughs full. But the shepherds ran them away, and Moses stood up and protected them and allowed them to finish Whatever. <laughs> And when they came to rule their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. Daddy says, How come y'all are done so quick? Y'all shouldn't be back till noon. Well, there was a man there that did it for us. So it got done quickly and correctly. I'm just saying. I didn't write it. <laughs> and Moses was content to dwell with the man. Uh-oh, I read, I missed one, sorry. And he said unto his daughter, Where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. You mean the guy was nice enough to work for you and you didn't even offer him something to eat? Where's your manners? I taught you better than that. This is the south of Egypt. Go get the man and bring him to the house and let him take his shoes off and set a spell. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. Oh, that's mighty nice of you. And she bare him a son. And he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage they were hoping they'd get out of this mess now that the pharaoh's dead but his son's going to take over and he's even meaner than his daddy was which is pharaoh's half brother by the way i mean uh, Moses's half brother by the way so when this man Moses meets the Pharaoh who is now the new Pharaoh because the old one died, know that he's talking to his brother who he grew up with. Know that at one time the succession of the throne would have gone to either one of them, but he wouldn't have been able to get the throne because he's Hebrew, so the brother was destined to be king, but Moses was still a prince, so he still had the accoutrements and the treatment of a prince. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. This is something you don't hear every day. God is no respecter of persons. That's made very clear in the Bible. But in this particular instance, he saw their suffering and their sorrow and their Great multitudes of people crying unto God, and he respected them for it. Let that be a lesson to you. When you pray, pray with earnest, pray with humility, pray with passion, and watch God work for you. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, who was named Rule a minute ago for some reason. I don't think that was... Yeah. Said he gave him his daughter, didn't it? Rule asked to have Moses come to the house and then gave him his daughter to wife. Zipporah, and now this is saying his father-in-law is Jethro. We'll have to get to the bottom of that. April says, welcome everyone to Bible study. <coughs> anyway, the priest of Midian, his father-in-law. So he may have married a second woman. and hasn't said so yet. We'll see. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came upon the mountain of God, even to Horeb. The mountain of God would be um, Sinai. Sinai is in Horeb. Horeb is a place in Arabia. Remember, he fled to the Midian Desert, which is in Arabia. Keep this in mind. Look at a map. Understand that he is no longer in the borders of Egypt because there he would be killed for being a turncoat. Thus and so he fled to Arabia. And while he was out in the desert, on the backside of the desert, which means he walked a long way, he comes upon Mount Sinai in Horeb. What's at Mount Sinai? That's also the place later on where they're going to stop. When, when Moses goes up on the mountain and gets the Ten Commandments from God, this is the place. It just hasn't happened yet, right? So it's foreshadowing. Something else is going to happen here that's very significant and very important, but it's the same location. I want you to understand that. Coincidentally, if you go there today and stand at the foot of this very small, very unimpressive mountain, which is still there to this day, albeit behind fences because it's in a war zone and you're not allowed to be there and will be arrested if you're caught there and your camera's confiscated because they don't want you having pictures of it. But it is there, and I have seen it, and the top of it is still black. And if you're standing at the bottom of it, you will see three things. You will see 12 pillars standing where they erected pillars— You will see a big rock that is split from top to bottom where water came out because Moses smote the rock with his staff against God's word who told him to talk to the rock and say that God told you to release water, thereby taking the credit for himself, which is the sin that he committed, the reason he couldn't make it to the promised land. And you will see off in the distance a little cave up in a hill on the other side of the chasm between the mountain and the hill which is where he is at this very moment. Go look on the internet and look for pictures of the place. You'll find it and you'll see it and you'll know that's what's happening at that location and it's a real place on earth. And the angel of the Lord, it's all capital letters, that's Yahweh himself, that's God Almighty, the angel of God, which is Gabriel, the man with the face of God or the angel with the face of God, meaning he speaks for God, appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. This bush is an acacia bush, which is known to have psychedelic properties in small quantities, and if enough of it is consumed, you might trip balls. Everything God does is a scientific explanation, and I just consider that to be more of the same. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed, meaning the fire was not burning it up. It was just on fire, which is unusual because things burn up. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. Meaning, I'm beside myself. Why isn't this tree burning up? He doesn't know if it got struck by lightning or if somebody caught it on fire or what. All he knows is the tree's burning, but it isn't being consumed. There's no smoke. It's just fire and wood uh, consisting at the same time. Interesting. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And just like a good fellow of the same tribe, he said, like his forefathers before him, Here I am. Here, here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither; Don't come close. Put off your shoes off your feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. Interesting. Mr. Bean and GW, what's happening, my brother? Good to see you. Welcome to the show. We are in... The book of Exodus 3 7. Join us if you will. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God, as you would be, I would be too. And the Lord said, I HAVE SURELY SEEN THE AFFLICTION OF MY PEOPLE WHICH ARE IN EGYPT, AND HAVE HEARD THEIR CRY BY REASON OF THEIR TASKMASKERS, FOR I KNOW THEIR SORROWS, AND I AM COME DOWN TO DELIVER THEM OUT OF THE HAND OF THE EGYPTIANS, AND TO BRING THEM UP OUT OF THE LAND UNTO A GOOD LAND, AND A LARGE LAND, UNTO A LAND FLOWING WITH MILK AND HONEY unto a place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. That's where they came from. I knew there was something about those guys. Now, therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, and thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said, Me? Hell no! I can't even talk. He did not say that. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly, I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Note that he says this, when you bring the people out of Egypt, come right back here. On this mountain is where you will serve God. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall I say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you? And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now, keep in mind that at this time it was considered forbidden to speak the name of God. So if you were a Hebrew-type Christian, I'm using the word Christian because there wasn't a word for it that I know of. They were believers in God, but they weren't Christians because Christ hadn't been born yet. But I'm going to use the term because we all know where that religion goes. It goes to the Orthodox Jews and to the Christians. That there's a split around the time of Christ, and Paul's teachings takes over. But James also taught the way of the Jewish people so both teachings are in the Christian beginning so i'm just going to use the word christian so just know that there's it's more nuanced than that but it's a shortcut but at this time if you were a christian you knew you didn't say the name of god so moses is saying how am i going to identify myself they won't even know who i'm talking about who should i say sent me and god in his infinite wisdom told them the one thing that he knew they would respond to, and that is the name of God Almighty, the one that he identified himself to be unto Abraham, which is not spoken aloud by anyone, so no outsider would know it. They gather in hushed tones and corners and secretly whisper over the bones of Abraham and Jacob and Isaac, and they never Reveal the name of their father. So God said to him, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. That is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning. In the end. I am. I am is a very specific Hebrew word that cannot be mistaken for any other thing. This is the name of God. Later on in the New Testament, when Jesus said to a, a Pharisee, he said concerning the teachings that he was teaching, and the, the Pharaoh asked him a question and said, you're not even 50 years old yet. How are you saying you know these things? And he said, Before Abraham was, I am. Now, he didn't misspeak. Yes, that is improper grammar. And yes, if you translate that from the language they were speaking, it doesn't make any sense because that's not proper tense. He did not misspeak. He was declaring to the Pharisee that he himself is God Almighty by using the name I am. That's how important this word is. I am that I am, says God. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And so he did. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Meaning, no matter what they call me, my name will always be I am that I am. Go and gather the elders of the Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. I knew there something about those people. You need to watch them unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Now let us go. We beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. And they don't. They go and just about break the bank when they take everything Egypt has with them. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians just like you do in war. You take everything that's theirs. That's what's going to happen when they leave. They're just going to ramsack and take everything Egypt has got, all their riches, and take it with them. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. This is my walking stick. Why? You want it? And he said, Cast it on the ground. So Moses cast it on the ground. And it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. It scared the bejesus out of him, that's why. It scared me too. I was just holding that thing. It could have bit me. What are you doing, God? Freaky. You're freaking me out, man. (laughs) And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thy hand and take it up by the tail. And Moses said, "Uh Uh-uh, I ain't touching that thing. He did not say that. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. Show them that trick. It'll freak them out. They'll follow you. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom, And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, as white as snow. That means that the flesh was dead. It had rotted while it was in his shirt. His hand, leprosy, just his hand. Now, leprosy is a full-body disease, and it takes about three years to rot to the point where your fingers are falling off. But you will eventually rot that much. This happened in a matter of seconds, And his skin had already turned ash, white as snow. And he said, put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he said, I ain't touching myself with this thing. Are you crazy? He didn't say that. Put now thy hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, put thy hand in thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh, clean. To which Moses responded, Dude, you have got to stop doing that. He didn't say that. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. So let me get this straight. If I show them my stick turns into a snake and they don't follow me, you want me to give them all leprosy and they will follow me? Hmm. I'm not sure that'll work out well for me. He didn't say that. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice. That thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moses said, Ikki! He didn't say that. And Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of spe- speech. And of a slow tongue. What does that mean? That means he stuttered. That means that he was not good at talking. He was kind of retarded. Because the Lord always uses people that are lesser to do greater things. Always. In every case. A humble person does a great thing. Every time. The Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? That would be me. Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Just not me. I I, I just can't do it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. When he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. See, I knew you were going to pull this crap, Moses, so I went and got your brother. He's on his way. When he gets here... Try not to act like a retard. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his words. and his mouth, sorry. And with his mouth. And I will teach you what ye shall do. Dude, I'm all but doing it for you. Just go and stand before the king and I'll speak. Just get over there. Time's a-ticking. Come on and he, meaning Aaron, shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of the mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. This word instead is uh, the same word the uh, Pope uses, the word vicar, meaning uh, it's not the word vicar, vicar is Latin, but it's the same meaning, meaning in the place of, meaning speaking for God. So Moses will be instructor in the place of God, and Aaron will be speaker in the place of Moses, because it's a apparently a game of telephone that we're playing here. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses in Midian, Go. Return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought for thy life. And Moses took his wife and his sons, and set them upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh. Don't waste my tricks. Do it in front of the guy I'm sending you to do it in front of. Don't be playing with it on the side of the road. Don't be shooting it off while you're going. Wait till you get in front of the Pharaoh to do my tricks. (laughs) When I have put, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart that he shall not let the people go. Why? Why would you do that, God? I'll tell you why because nobody, and I mean nobody in Egypt, is a believer in God. And for this to work, every person in Egypt has to know that God is real and God is meaning business. And the only way to do that is to prove it to them by force, because they are stubborn, thick-necked, hard-headed people. So... God intentionally hardened the Pharaoh's heart knowing he's not going to let him go so that he can perform the so many miracles that he's going to perform in his presence culminating with the death of the firstborn of every living thing in Egypt. This is a plan that is set out from the get-go. God knows full well that he's not going to cooperate. He knows full well that he's going to have to perform all those miracles and kill the firstborn of all the first, all the children of Egypt of everything alive in Egypt, including animals. He knows this right now. So he's telling Moses, go do these things. I'm going to harden his heart. He's going to tell you no. Come back the next day and do it again. And keep doing it until he says yes. I'm going to play with him for a while, but eventually I'll make him do the right thing. Why? Why would God do that? Again, because without darkness, light has no purpose. Without evil... There's no choice to make, and that is called programming, not free will. Either you have free will or you don't. If you have free will, that means there has to be a choice to do the opposite of good, and it's a choice that you have to be willing to make, which means it has to be appealing on both sides for certain people, which means that there is no boundaries by which evil can take over this world if you let it. But you have to make that decision. God created Satan just as he created the angels of light. He created evil just as he created you, which is good. And he did it so that you would be free. That's the only way it works. There is no other way to do it. He hardened the Pharaoh's heart so that he could prove who he was to the people who did not believe he existed. That's why. You may not like it. You may not agree with it. But that's the reasoning behind it. So pay attention. And he's going to lay it out now. Thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go that he may serve me. If thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass by the way of the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. I feel like I missed something. I did not. Then it came to pass, by the way of the inn, that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. He was just talking to the Pharaoh. Did that mean he was talking to Pharaoh or Moses? Then Zipporah, which is Moses' wife, took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely the blood, the bloody husband art thou to me. Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. So he let him go, and then he said, A bloody husband thou art, because of the circumcision. That is a strange thing to jump to from the other statement. Let me go back up. i got to read that again. You'll thank me later. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt... See that thou doest all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand, but I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn, and I say unto thee, Let my son go. That he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. That's got to be Pharaoh that he's talking about. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at his feet and said, Surely a bloody husband art thou to me. That's Moses. So he said, let him go. Then she said, a bloody husband thou art because of the circumcision. Okay, this is a little confusing, but let me explain. Moses is a Hebrew by birth. And he's going to save the Hebrews who are in captivity but he is not circumcised because he was raised Egyptian from birth. And in those days, it was demanded of all Hebrews to be circumcised, all Hebrew males. So he circumcised himself. And now it's his son's turn because he's taking his children with him and for them all to be in God's eyes, He has to be circumcised. So, the son refused. There's something missing here. And it came to pass by the way in the end that the Lord met him and sought to kill him, meaning the son, because he was not circumcised. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut the foreskin off of her son and cast it at Moses' feet. That's the three of them together there with the son. Meaning, you want his circumcision? There you go. He's circumcised. Now leave us alone. She wasn't having it. She didn't like it. She wasn't happy about it. But she did it, even though she didn't want to. And she's very upset at Moses for making her do it. So he let him go, the son. And then she said, certainly you are a bloody husband to me because of this circumcision, because you made me do this thing, because I had to be part of this. She didn't like it. She's not a Hebrew. She's a Midianite. She's from Jethro's stock, so keep that in mind. I don't know why it misses that part there. I don't understand why it jumped from one story to the next, but it did, and you have to kind of read between the lines, and this is probably a problem with translation, and you're going to have to either take my word for it or go look for yourself, but I assure you that's what we're discussing here. I know it doesn't read very well, but that's what's being said here, and it'll probably clarify it later. Anything worth mentioning in the Bible is repeated three times at least. So we shall see. That is a weird thing, though, the way it jumped. And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him meaning they were happy to see each other. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord whom had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went together, went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people, meaning he proved it to them. He he proved to them who he was. And afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in. I I skipped one, sorry. My brain's all over the place tonight. And the people believed what he was telling them. When they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshiped, which is what you should do when you know you're in the presence of God. And afterwards, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And the Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. I don't know this God you're talking about, and who is he to talk to me? I'm the Pharaoh. I'm the God around here, not this thing that you're talking about. I'm God, says Pharaoh. I'm not letting anybody go. Skedaddle. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee. Three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron? Remember, Moses is his brother, so he knows him full well. Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let thy people from their works get you under their burdens, under your burdens, What do you think, Moses? You think I should let all these people go and sacrifice to their Lord? Are you going to stay and do their work while they're gone? That's what he's saying. Because they have work to do. They're slaves. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and you make them rest from their burdens. Hmm. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make bricks, as heretofore let them go gather straw for themselves, make it harder for them. You think I'm going to let you go? No, I'm going to make it harder for you. And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them and ye shall not diminish aught thereof. For they be idle, therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our Lord. Let there more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. Don't even let them talk back to you. Everything they try to do that isn't making brick, make it harder. Make the work harder. Make it more painful. If they even talk back, make them work longer. Make them work harder. Work them to death if you have to. They're not getting out of here. And the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get you straw where you can find it. Ye ought not of your work shall be diminished, meaning don't slow down. You got to go find straw wherever you can find it, but I want as many bricks today as there was yesterday. Don't slow down progress. Don't lose out on any work. Make sure you get it done exactly as much today as yesterday, but now you don't get straw. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hastened them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily tasks, as when there was straw. Do it like you did yesterday. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters has set over them, were beaten and demanded. Wherefore have ye not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as heretofore? Why are you slowing down? Get it. Get to work. Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou us with thy servants? Why are you making us deal with them? There is no straw given unto thy servants, and they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten. But the fault is in thine own people. But he said, Ye are idle, ye are idle. Therefore, ye say, Let us go and do the sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work. Get out there and finish your job. For there shall no straw be given you, yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks, which is the same amount as yesterday. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case. After it was said, "Ye shall not minish aught from your bricks of your daily task. And even the people that were over the slaves, that their job was to make them work harder, even they saw this was an evil thing that the Pharaoh was doing when the people began to get slower and they were not supposed to get slower. They were supposed to deliver the same amount of bricks, but with no materials to make bricks. They had to go get it and come back and finish their work. That means working round the clock without break (laughs) to deliver the same amount of brick. So even the overseers saw that this was an evil thing. And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, the Lord look upon you and judge because ye have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of the Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hands to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why are you doing this? And God's thinking, because I got to make them understand. I got to make them believe That's why. Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to these people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. You told me you were going to bring them out of this land. You just made it harder for them. Some of them are even going to die. God says, I know. But they need to understand, not just that, Not just the Hebrews, but the Egyptians. They all need to know. They need to believe it in their hearts and in their minds that I am God. And that my word is final. They need to understand because I'm going to be leading them into the desert for 40 years. And they need to follow me. So they need to know who I am. And then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of this land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name, Jehovah was I not known to them he did not know my name they're gonna know my name now and I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan the land of their pilgrimage wherein they were strangers And I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm, with a great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. Lo, Ami, my Ami. I will be your God, and you will be my people, says Jesus, says God, says the Lord of all things, of all creation. God Almighty on high is talking to you. I will be your God and you will be my people. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for an heritage. I am the Lord. And Moses so spake unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruelty of bondage. They couldn't hear him. They were too pained. They were too beat up. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Go in, speak unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, that he let the children of Israel go out of his hand, or out of his land. Sorry. And Moses spake before the Lord, saying, Behold, the children of Israel have not hearkened unto me. How then shall Pharaoh hear me? Who am of uncircumcised lips, me, an uncircumcised guy? And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron and gave them a charge unto the children of Israel and unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And that's where we're going to stop for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We will pick up next Sunday on chapter 6, verse 14. What a fantastic and powerful read was tonight. The Lord truly is speaking to each and every one of us. Why don't you please take a moment and consider the words you've spoken to you tonight. Consider the meanings of what's being said and why it's important and why you should listen. And while you're doing all that heady thinking... Why don't you hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online. Smash that like button. It's free. It's effortless and it's right in front of you. It takes no effort at all and it really does help the channel with the algorithms and it helps us get recommended to other people won't you do that please share this video with somebody you love better yet share it with somebody you don't love bring them into the family make them part of the fold be part of their solutions not part of their problems leave comments down below let me know what you're thinking about question me curse me bless me challenge me confront me perform me drink my kool-aid make your own kool-aid as long as you're thinking critically that's what i want critical thought coming from that brain of yours and hey if you love the Word of God and you can see the value of what I'm trying to create, or if you feel led to send tithes, offerings, or love offerings in this direction because you tithe where you're taught, or if you just like to pat me on the back and say, Hey, nice job, Jake. I get what you're doing. You can do that. You can support this channel by going to paypal.me slash jakejohnsonband, or if you're a Cash App user, you can go to dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. It's a win-win. It's a blessing for me. It's a blessing for you, too, because God notices these things. You know, ask, and you shall be answered. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Give, and you shall receive. This is a reciprocal universe. And with that, I will be every bit trying to win and be worthy of your support and your confidence. And I will do everything in my power to be so. And with that, I will take your questions and comments. All right, questions, comments, criticisms, catharsis, anything else that starts with the letter C, bring it on. What you got for me? April says, hit the like button. May God bless us all in the world. Amen. Was that Diddy one of yours, one of your intro songs? No, ma'am. That was uh, one of those uh, copyright free things. I'm a little out of breath. Love you all so much, says April. You're such a good cheerleader. I appreciate you. What did you think of the read tonight? Did you learn anything? Did you feel touched by the word? Because I thought I was feeling that way a little bit. I'm a little bit hoarse tonight because this weekend I went out and did a show and did a little singing and wrecked my voice. Takes a while to get over it these days. Getting old. Anybody have any questions or comments about the read tonight? Thoughts? Anything confusing to you? There was one part that was confusing to me, but I think I cleared it up. Had to think about it for a minute, though. Get my bearings on that story. Try to put the two together, because there was a hard cut between one verse and the next verse. It was almost like they took out part of the book there and lost it in translation or something. But I'm assuming that's what it's all about. I mean, that is what it's all about. That's what it said. It just left out the first part that brought us to that part of the story. (laughs) Who knows? That could have been one of them things lost to time, you know? Now is the time. If anything's pressing on your heart, anything curious about what we read tonight, anything that you didn't understand, anything that you want to criticize, doesn't matter, bring it on. I want to hear it all. The read, we went over this 3S, didn't we? Three times, I meant. Um, We have read Exodus before, but it was a couple years ago. Yes. And there have been references throughout the reads to this story because this is the catalyst. This is the beginning of all of it. This is right before the Ten Commandments are given. That's the most important part, is where the Ten Commandments are and what they stand for and the establishment of the law in the land. That's what our religion is built off of. And the modern way of doing things in the West, at least, is built off of that establishment of law. So whether you've heard it or not, you've heard it in other ways in other parts of the world concerning these things because everything you do in this country especially is referenced off of what happened at this time in the Bible when they built uh, the establishment, the judges and the officers and the uh, governors and they set up the hierarchy of government rule (laughs) by breaking the 12 tribes into smaller and smaller groups, and setting heads over those groups, and then heads over those heads, and then heads over those heads, and then a main judge to watch over all of it. That's kind of the way we do it here with the House, and the Senate, and the presidency, and the Supreme Court, and the media. Those are all branches of the government, however you want to see it. It's basically working the same way as before, only now it's been corrupted. Nope, I'm good with what was... I'm good with that was sad, but I know it from the commandments and the Bible, also movies. Yeah. Yeah? Well, the movies do a pretty good job of it, but they don't get everything right. There's some serious generalizations that go on in movies where they cram a bunch of stuff together into Hollywooded up scenes for the sake of drama So even without trying to, they mess some things up sometimes. But if you have a good handle on the word, you can spot those things and know when to call them out. Yes, I know it's just so weird with all of that G word. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it is strange. It's important that everybody understands where they come from, so it's a good thing to have in your arsenal, so to speak. It's a good thing to grasp how they went about getting to where they ended up because when Moses appeared back in Egypt, no one there believed in God except for the few Hebrews that would gather together and worship over the bones of Abraham. But no one else believed. They all thought it was just like an old myth or an old legend from way back that Abraham told his children. Oh, 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 want a mint? That means something up here entirely different than what I'm sure you meant. Want a vent? Oh, Okay. Well, vent, that's why I'm here. I'm here to hear your venting. So anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, nobody believed in God. When they left Egypt, they all believed in God. Egyptians and Hebrew alike. They had no choice but to believe in his presence because he made himself known. This is unlike any other moment in time, even during the flood, he didn't clarify it as clearly as he did here. He made it obvious that he was in charge and that they were playing his game on his chessboard and if they did something he didn't like, he would pick up his pieces and go home. Go take my ball and go home. Well, then why did you say you wanted to vent? If you're not going to vent, I'm here. I'm offering you my ear. Vent away. Bring it on. I'll take it. Whatever you got. Just talk to me. Jesus. Got to beg people to ask me questions. That's all right. Remember, everybody on earth can potentially watch this. Now that it's all over the world on Spotify and iTunes and Amazon and Google, iHeartRadio and uh, CastBox and Overcast and PocketCast and Radio Republic and all the other places that you can download podcasts, everybody's watching. So ask questions that are poignant is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm so tired, Jake. I got to get up early. I hear you. Me too. I got to work in the morning too. All right, well, it's six, six minutes past the hour, so I guess that's that. If nobody has any questions, nothing pressing they need to hear, then I will just say God bless you, and I will bid you adieu. I love you very much with all my heart. Thank you for watching. I'll see you guys on Wednesday night with the obligatory chill stream. I love you all. I pray for you all. I hope that you have a great night. Have sweet dreams, and I will see you then. Don't do nothing I wouldn't do. God bless you. I love you true. Thanks for watching.